Just in and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, a podcast that has absolutely no fucking time for shame. Um, now I'm re-releasing an episode. Don't turn off. It is an amazing episode. It's also a very important episode. It's one of the best interviews I feel like I've ever gotten to experience because my guest is just such a riot. Her name is Cindy Gallup and she's a legend and an extraordinary feminist, a very emboldening and empowering woman who is who has just such a creative and and galvanizing mind and she's so funny and frank and brilliant on this episode it was just such a fucking breath of fresh air and so many people enjoyed it when I first put it out but it was a while ago and I know a lot of you are new to this podcast and I want you to hear it not only because I think it's a very important subject but also because I'm making an announcement I Jamila Jamil am entering into the world of porn you heard me. But I'm not going to be on camera because I have no skills sexually. Um, otherwise, I'd love to. But I, no one wants to see that, unfortunately. But I would like to be a part of helping Cindy Gallup, my guest, who has her own company called Make Love Not Porn, which is pro-porn, pro-sex, but pro-knowing the difference. I would like to help her create more of the safe and diverse and respectful and consensual pornography that she makes. And it's not just women who write to her saying thank you so much for this pornography. It's a lot of men who also find that the barbaric nature of so many mainstream porn sites are deeply off-putting and not what they're actually looking for. People are looking to get turned on, not just shocked again and again. So much of it is like shock culture that can help make a pornography video go viral and, and get attention rather than just turn people on. And that leads to quite a problematic culture around sex especially when kids are looking at this stuff and teenagers pornography can be a big part of shaping someone's sexuality and i understand that there's many people who just want to get rid of it altogether but i don't necessarily feel like that's the way there are things that pornography does that that can serve people and and it can be a lovely part of someone's life and a very healthy part of someone's life but is what we're watching actually healthy are the people being treated properly? Are we putting out a safe message? And that's what Make Love Not Porn does so excellently. And so in order to further Cindy's mission to create this kind of safe and radically inclusive space on social media for real world sex, she's raising money. 
I'm joining as an investor. And if you wanted to participate, then with even $100, you could also join the investment. She's doing a sort of big crowdfunder, a community round, so that all the people that want to invest in the future of this are making it happen together and growing it together. And also, therefore, sending a big fuck-off message to all these pornography companies who put out such endangering content that actually there is a movement of people who don't want to see this shit anymore, that there is a way to show pornography that is safer and better and less divisive and more respectful and frankly more civilized to watch in this world and I think that's an important message for them to receive so on my social media I will link to where you would be able to invest if you want to if you can at this time but either way this episode is really good at destigmatizing certain parts of pornography but also discussing the things that all of us not all of us but many of us feel uncomfortable about but also feel shamed about feeling uncomfortable about we address so much we really get into the weeds of pornography and I just wanted to let you know the thing about investing because I want you to know how much I care about this and it was actually during this chat that I realized that I wanted to work with Cindy Gallup. I wanted to help her on her journey and in her vision. I'm I'm not someone who consumes a lot of pornography myself so I was very out of touch with this world and um, I feel like I learned so much from her during this episode and whether or not I end up being someone who watches pornography. I just want to know that the world my friends are bringing kids into has a safe space for people to go and get turned on on the internet without seeing really traumatic things or learning traumatic things. Um, so anyway, love you lots. Have a listen to the episode, if anything, just because of how incredibly amusing and fantastic and wonderful and extraordinary this guest is. Her name is Cindy Gallup. Follow her everywhere. She's the fucking best. And let me know what you think. Enjoy, Cindy. Cindy Gallup. Welcome to I Weigh. What a legend. How on earth are you? I'm fantastic and thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my goodness. I have wanted to meet you for at least 10 years. Oh my God. Yeah, it's been a while and I um, I was thinking about your life and how beautifully self-preservational and re- like has a real sense of autonomy to you. And life choices that don't fit into the, I'm sure, the standards that were set for you when you were being brought up. And I can't help but link that way of life to how well you feel. Do you think I'm right? Do you know, I think you absolutely are. Because I am somebody who has never wanted to be married. Mm -hmm. I've never wanted children. Mm -hmm. Same, same. I adore being single. Um, I cannot wait to die alone. I date mm-hmm. younger men casually and recreationally for sex. I'm deliberately public about all of that because we don't have enough role models who are living lives that are not the conventional ones that prove you can do that and still be happy. And honestly, I am one of the happiest people I know. And, you know, it's it's not even just that I don't miss, you know, not having a husband or children. I am ecstatic that I don't have a <laughs> husband and children. And And yes, you're absolutely right. I think that contributes a lot to my ability to feel happier and more at ease in my living situation than many other people. God, it felt like dopamine shooting not only into my brain, but into my lungs hearing you talk like that, genuinely, because I just keep being patronised by people around me. And God knows everyone's heard me harp on about this shit 
on this podcast before, but I do not want to get married. I do not want to have children. I feel very satisfied with my own company. I'm currently in a wonderful relationship, but so many people keep telling me I'll change my mind or keep pressuring me to alter my belief system. And my belief system comes from such a fundamental place within me. And it's so hard to meet, as you said, role models who honor that same belief in yourself and belief in your ability to trust your own gut. You are in your 60s and you are not in a long-term relationship. You don't have children. A man would still be called a bachelor. Yeah. In your same exact position, you know, which is not to state the obvious, but it is important and I think it is worthwhile. And I think the last two years has been really interesting in the way that it has kind of turned everyone's ideals and ideas upside down. You know, people who thought they wanted to be alone suddenly really felt the the panging loneliness of the pandemic and now would like to either live with roommates or pair up with someone. I've definitely seen that amongst some of my friends and other people are like, fuck this fuck this. I don't want to be trapped with anyone and I don't want to have kids. And I really, like, I lost my freedom for two years and I really felt all the things that I haven't done in my life. And if I go and quickly, because, you know, we're all in our mid-30s now, if I go and quickly have a baby because I'm supposed to because of the quote-unquote clock, well, that's real, because of the fucking clock, um, then I'm never going to get to do those things. So it's kind of split the the spectrum of people that I know in what they want. And you don't feel like you're allowed to say, I would like to be alone. Was it Marlena Dietrich? Someone like that just said, I yes, want to yes. be I want, want to, to be alone. Uh, <laughs> and, and I felt that in my bones when I was a kid. Um and obviously, you know, I I imagine you have a wonderful social life and I mean, Ooh. do do you? Do you have do you are you particularly sociable? Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I have tons of friends. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have, you know, re- a number of very good, very close friends I can confide in and, you know, um, and, and I'm very close to. And then I have loads of friends um, everywhere, all around the world. So I am, you know, I, I don't feel any lack of social life whatsoever. And that makes me all the happier when I retreat into solitude. Um, and in fact, I have to say, that when the pandemic struck, you know, I was in lockdown in New York in this apartment for one and a half years. Christ, yeah. And to be frank, separate to obviously the appalling tragedy that was happening, especially in the city, it, it wasn't tough because my I, I'm a natural solitary. Mm-hmm. My idea of bliss has always been to be in my apartment on my own with nowhere to go and no one to see. And I got to do it for one and a half years. It's fantastic. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> Because I've been made to feel like a sociopath for feeling all of those similar things. I can't tell you what it means to me. It's honestly very, very, very rare to feel really understood. Um, Again, like that's no disrespect to anyone who's having kids, who's had kids. It's just about the right to make an individual choice, regardless of your gender, regardless of your ethnic background. You and I both being Asian, growing up, you know, amongst influences that are so built around the woman being a homemaker. And you are really a career, I mean, beyond a career woman, your your CV is just bonkers. And I think one of my favorite things about your CV, to go back to referencing someone who just follows their heart, is that you were in your 40s. I think 45, was it? When you were just like, fuck this. I don't want to work for other people. I would like to pursue my own vision. What happened when you were in your 40s that made you just think, 
Because again, that is not a time when anyone, especially women, are encouraged to change lanes. So I basically, as you say, I turned 45 back in 2005. Yeah. And I kind of had my very own personal midlife crisis in the sense that I'd always thought of 45 as kind of a midlife point. Obviously, by the way, in the happy assumption, one does in fact live to be 90, fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. But in the couple of years running up to it, I'd always thought on one's 45th birthday is the moment when you should pause, take stock, reflect and review, where have I been, where am I going? So on February 1, 2005, I duly did that. You know, I went, oh my God, I've just worked 16 years for the same advertising agency. By the way, wonderful agency, love them to death, Bartle Bogle Hegarty, BBH, you know, can't say enough nice things about them. But I went, wow, I think it might be time to do something different. And then the problem was I hadn't the faintest idea what. So vast amounts of thought and angsting ensued. And eventually I went, if I want to review every single option open to me for what is effectively the second half of my life, Maybe the best thing to do is to put myself on the market very publicly and go, okay, guys, here I am. What do you got? And see what comes. So I took a massive leap into the unknown. I resigned as chairman of BBH New York in the summer of 2005 without a job to go to. And it was honestly the best bloody thing I ever did in my life. Because I am now evangelical about working for yourself. Too many people make the mistake of thinking that a job is the safe option. Mm. It's not. Because in a job, you're at the complete mercy of management changes, industry downturns, marketplace dynamics. I say to people, whose hands would you rather place your future in? Those of a large corporate entity who at the end of the day doesn't give a shit about you or somebody who will always have your best interests at heart, i.e. you. I love that. I agree. I fully agree. I've been self-employed since I was about 20, maybe 19. Fantastic. I've always wanted to just follow my own whims. I'm a very whimmy, whimmy woman. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And I'm very, very, very bad with authority and I'm very bad with feeling as though my freedom is constrained. I think partially that comes for me from growing up in a family full of, you know, I'm fully South Asian. And so watching women just be constantly oppressed within that family, I think I kind of, I was what I think some people refer to as like the lightning bolt child where I was like, no, no, I actually don't have what it takes to survive that. I'll die. And so, okay. So, so you, you took that huge risk and what was the next step? How did we get you from there to here? Um, basically, everything in my life and career has happened by accident. Mm-hmm. I've never consciously, intentionally planned anything. Yeah, I'm a big believer in serendipity. And so, you know, in this instance, when I took that big leap, um, I mean, I was lucky. I had quite a high profile in the advertising industry. And so a ton of jobs and opportunities came to me, um, many of which I've not have thought of myself. And I thought, okay, I still don't know what I want to do. I'm going to be employment slut. I'm going to talk to everybody. I'm going to take every phone call. I'm going to do every meeting, no preconceived notions. And so I embarked on this fascinating exploratory that was as good for telling me what I didn't want to do as what I did want to do. Mm -hmm. So I would go and do an interview or a meeting and I'd come out and I'd go, okay, so now I know in 50 million years, never want to do that. (laughs) And so I ended up organically, um, you know, while, while I was having all these meetings, I was consulting and speaking and I enjoyed doing that. 
Um, and so I began kind of working for myself organically. And then basically a series of accidents led me to, you know, what I've now been working on for the past 13 years, which is my venture, Make Love Not Porn. And, and that was a total accident because I never set out to do that. How? So um, I date younger men. Um, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, that was also a total accident. I didn't set out to date younger men. Mm-hmm. Um, back when I was running the ad agency, and this would have been something like 20 years ago, we were asked to pitch for an online dating brand. And in advertising, when you pitch for a client's account, you have to experience the client's product and the entire competitive landscape. So we all had to online date. And this was 20 years ago, and none of us at the ad agency on the pitch team ever had, because it wasn't a thing back then. And my team were all, you know, they were already dating, married, living with. They went online as fake personas, you know, created false identities. I was single. I thought, okay, I have to do this for business reasons. Why not do this for real? Why not find out what this whole online dating thing is all about? So I posted my profile across a bunch of sites, Mm -hmm. was very honest about everything, including my age. I, much to my surprise, I got an avalanche of responses, which was very good for the ego. But even more to my surprise, the vast majority of those responses were from younger men. And I suddenly realized I was every young guy's attractive older woman, high-flying career, didn't want to settle down, didn't, didn't want marriage and kids. And I thought, gosh, hadn't thought about this dating strategy, but works for me. So I began dating younger men and have been doing so very happily ever since. <laughs> and, and so there I was dating younger men, when I began realizing that I was encountering an issue that would never have crossed my mind if I had not encountered it very intimately and personally, I realized I was experiencing what happens when two things converge. And I stress the dual convergence, Jamila, because most people think it's only one thing. I realized I was experiencing what happens when today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. Mm-hmm. It's when those two things collide, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. So I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioral memes in bed. I went, whoa, I know where that behavior is coming from. I thought, gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. I didn't know that because this is 14, 15 years ago. No, no one was talking about it. Yeah, I was right about it. And so this is just me in isolation as a naturally action-oriented person going, I'm going to do something about this. So 13 years ago, I put up on no money a tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com that in its original iteration was just words, porn world versus real world. Here's what happens in the porn world, here's what really happens in the real world. I had the opportunity to launch Make Love Not Porn at TED back in 2009. Mm-hmm. I became the only TED speaker to say the words, come on my face on the TED stage. Six times <laughs> the talk went viral as a result, and it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. And I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And, and a gap so in the market. A, a gigantic gap in the market even bigger today. And so that, that was what made me feel that I now had a responsibility to take Make Love Not for, On Forwards in a way that would make it much more far-reaching, helpful, and effective. And so I turned it into the business that is today, makelovenotporn.tv, which um, basically is designed to address the fact that um, we are, as our tagline says, pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. 
Because the issue isn't poor, the issue is that we don't talk about sex in the real world. If we did, amongst a host of other benefits, people would then be able to bring a real world mindset when they view what is simply performative produced entertainment. And so I basically turned Make Love Not Porn into the world's first and only user-generated, human-curated, social sex video sharing platform. We're what Facebook would be if it allowed you to socially, sexually self-express, which it sadly doesn't. If porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Make Love Not Porn is the documentary. We're a unique window onto the funny, messy, loving, beautiful, wonderful ways we all have sex in the real world. And in that sense, we are literally sex education through real world demonstration. I think it's wonderful. And when I was making this uh, documentary years ago for the BBC, it was about specifically the impact of pornography on children because children are watching pornography. They're being able to access it on their phones, on their friends' phones, on their parents' computers sometimes. And that is their first ever encounter. Like some of us had dirty pictures. Um, I think I had the one minute preview that would turn up on channel like 305. Uh, <laughs> and I would wait at 10 p.m., yeah. 11 p.m. Yeah. and midnight to catch just like a glimpse of of whatever sex was uh, when I was a, like a single digit child. And that was my first understanding. But I'm very lucky in that even though I had sex late, I was able to, and so was most of my generation, able to learn about sex via having sex, doing sexual mm. things. And obviously that's never yeah. perfect. You have young people who also still don't talk about sex, who don't know anything about consent. But it is petrifying, the impact on the brain of your first sexual experiences being mainstream pornography. Because mainstream pornography is, in the run-up to this interview, I was like, because since that documentary, I just never, ever looked at porn after having researched it. Because I, I saw so many disgusting things that I literally threw my laptop in the River Thames. Yep. Like, as in, like, if you go to Embankment at the bottom of this, the River Thames, my laptop, MacBook 13-inch air. Because I, yep. I couldn't, I was so disturbed by what I'd seen. And again, I'm pro-pornography, but I'm absolutely not pro what so much of pornography has become. And I want to be careful not to kink shame but yep. there is such an abundance of an abuse of women and a humiliation of women and the language used about women specifically that terrifies me. And I remember this kid, and we had to cut this out from the documentary, but this 12-year-old kid, this boy, put his hand up and he was he asked so, in so innocently, Miss, if I rape a girl, will she start to enjoy it the way that they do in porn? And oh it was, God. it honestly like sent like shivers through all of us. And of course to protect him because he didn't know any better and which would have been so inappropriate to put that on TV. We cut it out, but on, I, I couldn't get, I've never been able to get that moment out of my head. Um, so, so, so Jamila, this is exactly what I designed Make Love Not Porn to solve. Mm -hmm. And by the way, because we are an utterly unique venture, we have an utterly unique capability. We have the power to change people's sexual attitudes and behavior for the better in a way that nothing else does. And so our mission ultimately at Make Love Not Porn is to end rape culture. And we do that by doing something incredibly simple that nevertheless nobody else is doing. We end rape culture by showing you how wonderful great consensual communicative sex is in the real world. Our social sex videos role model good sexual values and good sexual behavior. And, and this is the really key part. We make all of that aspirational 
versus what you see in porn and popular culture. And I'll tell you something that is has been very interesting for me to observe, which is I designed Make Love Not Porn to be fully diverse and inclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, we are for women, men, trans, non-binary. You know, our members, our contributors, and we call our Make Love Not Porn stars, span the full glorious spectrum of gender and sexuality. Mm-hmm. But Make Love Not Porn is especially a revelation to men. We probably get many more emails from men than anybody else because we are something that men will not find anywhere else on the internet, which is a space where they can be and they can see other men being open, emotional, and vulnerable around sex. And when men discover us, they absolutely love that. That there was a picture of a wonderful Twitter exchange a few months back uh, between two men. One man had tweeted jokingly, hey guys, I've got this really weird porn kink fetish. Um, Can you make some recommendations? I want to watch porn where people are honest, loving, loyal, and decent and really nice to each other. Mm-hmm. Hit me up with your hottest links, please. And another man replied to him and he said, there's this website called Make Love Not Porn where you can see real couples fucking and making love. I watched a video where the woman said to her man during their lovemaking, I love you. Sincerely, I cried when I heard that. And by the way, men write to us and tell us they cry when they watch our videos because mm-hmm. they've never seen anything like, you know, the real world emotion and love and intimacy and feelings that our real world sex videos celebrate that you will not see anywhere else on the net. Academy is a new scripted podcast that follows Ava Richards, played by Mahala of Leave the World Behind and HBO's Industry, a brilliant scholarship student who has to quickly adapt to her newfound eat-or-be-eaten world. Ava's ambitions take hold and her small-town values break in hopes of becoming the first scholarship student to make the list. Bishop Gray's all-coveted academic top 10 curated by the headmaster himself, but after realising that she has no chance at the list on her own, she reluctantly accepts an invitation to a secret underground society that pulls the strings on campus life and academic success. If she bends to their will, she will then have everything she has ever dreamed of. But at what cost? Academy takes you into the world of cutthroat private school where power, money and sex collide in a game of life and death. Follow Academy on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Academy early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour a day, how would you use it? Do you even know? So many of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is more time for what exactly? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? I think the key for many of us is recognising what is actually a priority for me and do I have the right priorities and am I actually engaging with them? And so that's where I think therapy can come in really handy because I'm someone who utilised therapy to really start to understand myself and ask myself, am I living a life to impress other people or to follow certain rules or am I living my life to actually make myself happy? And that has led to huge changes for me that have meant that I have shunned certain things I used to think I was supposed to do to be quote-unquote successful and now I've reframed success as happiness and it is forcing me onto this journey that is making me exponentially happier and maybe less impressive of a person but I'm more impressed with me now because I feel like I'm going to look back on the current life I'm leading and think oh I did a good job of that I was happy then I made some really nice memories rather than I achieved a bunch of things I was just 
supposed to chase. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, I think maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient. It's super flexible. It's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a super brief questionnaire and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you don't like them, you can just switch them for no extra fee. It's super easy. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Do you want in on a secret that high-performance marketing teams use to drive ROI? AdRoll gives your business the marketing edge you need to make hitting your goals easier while saving time. AdRoll optimizes ad campaigns across display, native, and social media channels all in one place. Deduplicate conversion attribution across channels and even trigger emails based on user interactions. Sign up at adroll.com slash ROI to join the club. you're here i have so many things that i want to talk to you about because in the lead up to your uh podcast i ended up watching more porn in the last couple of days and i'm obviously gonna have to throw this laptop in another river i'm in berlin so i guess it'll be easy to find one but um i have thoughts and theories and they're not fully formed but i'm just going to try them out on you because i think you're just so great so what is stressful to me about the fact that even since 2013 or whenever i made that documentary I would have thought we've had so many conversations in the Me Too movement and conversations about things like make love, not porn, and and the idea of more like uh, woman-friendly pornography, etc. That conversation has definitely risen. The conversation of consent has definitely risen. And it feels as though places like Pornhub has gotten worse. Now it's incest, naughty daughter, naughty stepgirl, naughty sister gets punished. Like it's more and more of the, like more rape culture even than what I saw in 2013. For my first question is, do you think that's a backlash to the progress of the conversation around consent? Well, um, so what I would say, um, Jamila, is what you're talking about stems from a couple of places that, that are not obvious to people. Um, and, and I'll explain what I mean by that. The first is that, so I get called up a lot by journalists who want to inf- interview about porn. And the journalist will say something like, so Cindy, do you feel that porn objectifies women? Mm-hmm. And I will reply that I think any industry dominated by men at the top and throughout the industry, inevitably produces output that is objectifying and objectionable offensive to women. And I will then point them to the commercial advertising breaks in the Super Bowl. Because my industry advertising is as male-dominated as every other industry in popular culture, movies, TV, porn, and that's the problem. And I actually have an art project that I've talked about for years that I'm dying to do, um, I uh, haven't been able to get the funding I need to do it because I have to be able to pay a photographer models. But I'm going to do this one day. And by the way, I have no shortage of models because when people hear about this, they volunteer. I want to take the homepage of one of the big mainstream tube porn sites, you know, Pornhub, YouPorn, RedTube. And I want to recreate it and replicate it by reshooting every video thumbnail with the genders flipped. Because nothing would demonstrate the ludicrousness of the male lens in porn and the male centricity of mainstream porn more than that. And by the way, um, I don't know how graphic I'm allowed to get on your podcast. You can get uh, as graphic as you like. Right. Okay, terrific. Because, yeah. um, I mean, feel free to edit out anything you don't want to, you, you know, that's fine. It's all staying in, but, Cindy. Uh, but um, but um, so I've done a version of this in the past. I've trolled porn sites on Twitter. Okay, so 
For example, browsers will tweet a video um, of a blowback, and I will go, "Hey, browsers!" Sorry, a what? A, a, a video of a blowback. I don't know what a blowback right. is. Okay, count yourself lucky. I, I think I think a lot of our listeners will. And as I go on to explain what I mean, I think you'll get it because. I tweet back at them and I go, hey, brothers, I want to see a female version of that. I want to see a lick bang. I want to see a naked man on his knees grinning with all around him a whole bunch of women naked from the waist down shoving their pussies in his face. Right. Or, or brothers will tweet a still from a video and I'll go, hey, brothers, I want to see the female version of that. I want to see a giant pussy looming in the foreground mm -hmm. and close up behind it, grinning from ear to ear, three men's faces covered in pussy juice. You right. take my point. Yes, and, and 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 by the way, Jamila, that that male centric lens is, and 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 this is true in all of popular culture, is what drives most of the problems. Because you know, I date younger men, and I'm very selective about whom I date. My fundamental criterion is they have to be a very nice person. Mm -hmm. I have great radar of very nice people. I only date utterly lovely younger men. And yet I totally see them in bed modeling the behavior, the body language that says, my dick is the center of the universe. And that's what they've internalized. What does that behavior look like so that we can all identify that? Um, 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 I think it's pretty easy. Um, and, and I think it's very familiar to a lot of our listeners, which is simply, it's all about whether or not he comes. Right. You know, it's all about what's happening to his dick. And, and again, bear in mind, these are really lovely young men. Okay, mm -hmm. and that that is what they've unconsciously internalized, and so you know all of this changes when we as women are unable to bring our lens to bear, because you know I mean I've been working on Make Love with Porn for thirteen years, and I've done a shit ton of media interviews, and so another question I get asked all the time is, so Cindy, you know why do you think we're all so messed up about sex? Why do you think we're all so repressed? And I get this question so often, I now have my answer down pat. Three reasons. So reason number one, hmm. social cultural dynamics, centuries of religion repression in every single country mm -hmm. in the world, what we're talking about is global. Reason number two, the patriarchy. Because historically, every institution, including government and religion, has been male-dominated. We as women have never been allowed to bring our lens to bear on human sexuality and the world is a poorer place for it. And reason number three, very straightforwardly, is there are not enough people like me. And what I mean by that is the world makes it fucking difficult to innovate and disrupt social narratives around sex. My mm. team and I fight a battle every single day to keep Make Love Not Porn alive. Many people have tried to do everything we're talking about and given up. And I don't blame them because my life is shitty on a daily basis because of what I do. We need, we need many more people like me who will not give up no matter what. Why is your life shitty on a daily basis? You know, the one thing I didn't realise when I began building Make Love Not Porn was that, as I said, my tiny team and I would fight a battle every single day, essentially because every piece of business infrastructure, any other tech startup gets to take for granted. We can't. The small print always says no adult content. And that is all pervasive across every single area of the business in ways that people outside the sphere don't realise. So are you I talking about venture capitalists? Like, you can't... Uh, to, um, to, uh, that's one aspect of it. I can't get funded. But I also can't get banked. It took me four years to find one bank here in America that would allow me to open a business bank account for Make Love Not Born. My biggest day-to-day -day challenge is payment processing. PayPal won't work with adult content. 
Stripe can't. Mainstream credit card processors won't. Wait, so how does how do all the male porn sites exist? First of all, um, every porn producer has exactly the same problem. Um, that right, we do. Okay. Every every sex tech um, startup founder like me has the same problem. I will just say what um, you know. I find a lot of people are not aware of the mainstream porn industry is dominated by one colossal monopoly that would never be allowed to exist in any other sector. But it's it's dominant in porn because nobody wants to go there. A company called MindGeek owns everything. MindGeek mm. owns Pornhub, YouPorn, RedTube, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When you operate at that scale with that stranglehold on the industry, you'd be amazed who's prepared to work with you on the banks and the payments fronts that, that, that won't tell anybody that they are. So, so, so there's a whole different issue born out of that monopoly. But just um, separate to that, every single Texas I need to use to operate my video sharing platform, hosting, encoding, encrypting, the terms of service always say no adult content. In every single case, I have to go to the people at the top of the company, explain what I'm doing, beg to be allowed to use their service, Sometimes they let me, sometimes they don't. It's a very labor-intensive process. I had to build a video sharing platform from scratch as proprietary technology because existing streaming services won't stream adult content. I'm so jealous of friends who built video startups on top of Vimeo. Quick, easy, simple, cheap, I can't do that. Even something as simple as sending out our membership emails. MailChimp will not work with adult content. Rejected by six or seven email partners to we found SendRid who would. And to give you an idea of how ridiculous this is, a couple of years ago, I needed a contract user experience designer. I put a perfectly standard job description up on Upwork. 20 minutes later, Upwork took it down and told us we're not allowed to advertise jobs on Upwork because we are make love, not porn. Every single thing is a battle. And Jamila, that is why the answer to everything we're talking about is not to shut down, censor, clamp down, block, repress. It is instead to open up. Mm-hmm. Open up the dialogue around all of this. Open up to welcoming, supporting, funding, and helping female entrepreneurs like me, especially who want to disrupt all of this for the better. Open up to allowing us to do business the same way everybody else does. Because when you do that, you transform the landscape of adult. I like to repurpose in context Wayne Lapierre of the NRA's infamous gun control quote The only thing that stops a bad guy with a business is a good guy with a better business. That's what I and so many other women are trying to do. And and we are being stymied at every turn because of these barriers that that, that were put in place for one purpose and are shutting out everything that's open and healthy and helpful and normalizing. Fuck me. I had no idea because, I mean, you are literally still such a success story to me, but I had no idea that this is what you were up against. And I also... I can't fathom why more people wouldn't want to help. And even the like, I don't know, Melinda fucking Gates or whoever, I can't remember her name now, the woman who uh, left Jeff Bezos is now just Uh, giving all of his money away. Exactly. Dying to get to both of them. Yes, we need to, I'd like, we need to find them because this is a vital service. Like it is a vital service. So many, like an incomprehensible amount of people watch pornography all of the time. And it is, creating immense harm on kids, on, on teenagers. And, 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 and here's the interesting thing. 13 years after my TED Talk, people um, people know that they need what Make Love Not Porn delivers. Because, uh, and by the way, I forgot to mention another huge business growth inhibitor, which is we are banned from advertising. 
We can't advertise on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, in traditional media. Women's magazines, way, even? Um, um, no, it's entirely gendered, by the way. Um, it's not just us, it's any female-lens sexual health and wellness ventures. You know, menopause ventures, menstruation ventures can't advertise on social either. And by the way, social is is affordable. I'm afraid women's magazines aren't. But here's the interesting thing. Make Love Not Porn's growth has been entirely organic, therefore, driven by two things, media coverage and search. And the interesting thing about search is that every day, people around the world search for us without knowing that we exist. And what I mean by that is the top organic search terms that drive people to us are make love, not porn, real sex, not porn, make love, not porn, where they don't know there's a business called that. One young man told me that he found us when he Googled porn that is not porn. He was so fed <laughs> up with everything out there. He wanted something different, no idea what to look for. When you Google porn that is not porn, you find Make Love Not Porn. That's how much people want exactly what we deliver, which is real world sex. And, and by the way, um, we have so many social benefits beyond correcting, you know, the miseducation of porn. And there's one I want to I want to make you aware of because it speaks to exactly the issues that you talk about so often on, on, on this podcast. Um, Social sex videos on Make Love Not Porn are enormously reassuring because we celebrate real world everything, real world bodies, real world hair, real world penis size, real world breast size, real world vulvas. And the reason that's critically important, Jamila, and I know you know this, is that you can talk body positivity all you like. You can preach self-love till you're blue in the face. At the end of the day, Nothing makes us feel great about our own bodies like watching people who are no one's idea of aspirational body types getting turned on by each other, desiring each other, having an amazing time in bed. Our mantra at Make Love Not Porn is everybody is beautiful when they're having real world sex, and they really are. And in a world where everything in popular culture tells us you are not sexually attractive and desirable unless you are this skinny, six-pack abs, look like this. You know, our members write to us and tell us, you made me feel better about my own body. You know, one man wrote and said, my girlfriend and I now feel able to be more open and central with each other because you made each of us feel better about our own bodies. Because by the way, socially sharing your real world sex on Make Love Not Porn is as transformative for you and your relationships as socially sharing everything else has been for the world at large. A woman published her first video on Make Love Not Porn. And by the way, most of our Make Love Not Porn stars had never filmed themselves doing anything sexual before ever. They're doing it for us because they believe in our social mission. But this woman posted a solo masturbation video with many of those. And in the personal narrative for it, she said, all my life, I've been told my vulva's ugly. It's too flappy, it's too big, it's too this, it's too that. I don't agree. And so I'm gonna, I thought I'll, I'll share this video here and see what you think. And our community is amazing. You know, within an hour, the stream of comments going, oh my God, you're beautiful. What are they talking about? You're amazing. We love you. There is so much love and affirmation in the Make Love Not Porn community that is built around shared social and sexual values that is utterly transformative, not just for people who watch our videos, but for the Make Love Not Porn stars who, who you know, we feel privileged. They share this most intimate part of their lives with us. This is one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. Price drop, time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. 
Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Also, I find the parallels between us really hilarious and I feel like you are making a, a, a love and sex and porn version of exactly what we're doing at Iway and it sounds like your community is just like my community and I hope that they enmesh um, because everyone is so loving when we put pictures of people with disabilities people of different sizes different genders on our pages I can't believe that there is I'd say 99% and this is on social media the 99% positive comments, reaffirmation, people becoming friends, people writing to us saying that they felt suicidal before and now they've realized that they are loved and they are celebrated and beautiful and now they feel so good about themselves. Like, It's amazing what a safe space you're building. Exactly. And actually, Jamila, I, I want to, and you may find this interesting, I want to contextualize that in the broader tech landscape as a whole because the young white male founders of the giant tech platforms that dominate our lives today, they are not the primary targets online or offline of harassment, abuse, racism, mm -hmm. sexual assault, rape, violence, revenge porn. Therefore, they did not and they do not proactively design for the prevention of any of those things on their platforms. And we see the results around us every day. Those of us who are most at risk every day, women, Black people, people of color, LGBTQ, the disabled, we design safe spaces and safe experiences. I designed Make Love Not Porn through the female lens around what everybody else should have, but nobody else did, human curation. There is no self-publishing of anything on Make Love Not Porn. Our curators watch every single video submitted from beginning to end before we approve or reject and we publish it. No one else does that. But we also review every single post on every profile, photo, text, illustration, before we approve and publish it. No one else does that. We review every single comment on every single video before we approve and publish it. Again, no one else does that. We can vouch for every piece of content on our platform. And that is why Make Love Not Porn is the safest place on the internet. And our community, to your point, absolutely reflects that because we've created a completely safe and trustworthy space where everybody feels affirmed and valued and important and loved. And it is so important and for a multitude of reasons, you know, going back to the thing about kids is that I think what is so dangerous about pornography and, you know, you, you kind of touched on this at the very, very start of this is that it's being able to separate real sex from pornography. Kids are able to identify when something is fantasy because it's blue or it's, you know, looks like an animal. Like it's very, very clear in their in content made for children when something is human and when something is not. And yet with pornography, you have this kind of complete fantasy play, stuff that would very rarely be be done um 
often or consensually or happily by by many people in the world. But it just sort of looks like mummies and daddies. You know, it looks like I've just people. There's no way to, there's no signal that this is from someone's imagination rather than this is a real reflection of what all of your porn should be. I remember talking to children where they had started trying anal sex at the age of 12, right? And she didn't like it. And he didn't like it. And they both thought that they were supposed to like it. So they were both doing it, neither one enjoying it. Exactly. Um, and by the way, Jamila, parents are buying their children's subscriptions to make love, not porn. They tell us because they want them to see what happy, healthy, loving That's sex amazing. lives look like. What is very frustrating to me is that, and actually I'm about to set out to raise a round of serious funding. I'm about to set out to raise $20 million to finally do this because for years, I've been trying and failing to raise funding for the zero to 18 version of Make Love Not Porn, which is what I call the Khan Academy of Sex Education. Because Khan Academy tutors on every other topic under the sun except this one. Educational technology, edtech, exploding, not in this area. And so I want to build Make Love Not Porn dot Academy. What URL? But what do you mean by zero to 18? What I mean is parents and teachers have been writing to us since day one at Make Love Not Porn to ask us, to create a sex educational right. version of, of what we're doing. And, and by the way, I, I will just uh, mention this because this is advice possibly your listeners could benefit from. Um, because I've had to talk to parents so many times over the years, I always ask parents to do two things that are really important and they're very simple. Um, number one is you cannot begin talking to a child about sex too early. And when I say that, I don't mean literally talk about sex. What I mean is the very first time your child asks where babies come from, touches their genitals, the most important thing isn't even what you say as much as how you say it. Never, ever get visibly flustered or embarrassed. Never shut them up. Never close the conversation down. Hmm. Instead, just answer calmly, straightforwardly, truthfully, and you will open up a channel of communication that will always be there for them as they grow older. And then the second thing I say to parents is, and today, for all the reasons you've spelt out, Jamila, when you talk to your child about sex, you must now also talk to your child about porn. And it's a lot easier to do than most parents think. And, and by the way, this really plays into what you're saying earlier, because all you have to do is a version of what I'm about to give you, and you dial it up or down depending on the age of the child. You go, so darling, we've just talked about sex. And you know how together we watch movies and videos and cartoons mm. where things happen that aren't real. Well. There are also movies and videos about sex, and they're not real either. And because of that, they can be quite confusing, so we'd rather than watch them till you're older. But if anyone ever shows you anything like that, or you come across it, come and talk to us, we can explain it. That is all you have to say, because just by saying that, you've done two critically important things. Number one, you've set up in their heads for when they stumble across porn as they will, that it's not real. Mm. And secondly, you have said, come and talk to me about it. Because again, to your point, you will want them to do that because what they stumble across can be utterly traumatizing. So, so that, that's my quick, quick and easy you know, advice to parents. But basically, the reason I want to build Make Love Not Porn Academy is because sex educators all around the world have all the same problems I do. And so Make Love Not Porn Academy is based on the same principles make love not porn.tv user generated crowdsourced curated revenue share because i'm not about reinventing the wheel this is an aggregation play so this is where we open up make love not porn academy to sex educators all around the world who can submit to us their own 
content, videos, coursework, comic strips, books, whatever it is. Now, we will curate. At the heart of everything we do lies human curation, because we only publish what is Make Love Not Porn endorsed. So if you are an American sex educator and you submitted what's depressingly popular over here, abstinence-only sex education, we're not publishing that. We don't endorse the so-called education approach that goes, don't do it. We will then publish segmented by age appropriateness. So if you're a parent freaking out going, oh my God, my six-year-old just asked about this, what do I say? Here's where you would go for entirely age-appropriate tools and content to have that conversation with a six-year-old. Fantastic. If, if you're a teacher of the class of 14-year-olds, here's where you go for age-appropriate teaching materials. If you're an adult, access all areas, because adults are as desperate for this as anybody else. Some of this will be free to access, but we'll also charge to download, subscribe, bulk buy if you're a school, different revenue streams of different use cases. By the way, we're talking a huge, huge revenue generator. And we will then split the income 50-50 with its creators, the same way we do with our Make Love Not Porn stars. Because, Jamila, right now, nobody goes into sex education to make money. I have friends who are brilliant sex educators. They face all the same barriers I do. They can't even make a living doing this. They've had to take other jobs. I want to change that. This is enormously valuable work. I think that's incredible. I mean, I have some sex educators on this podcast and and this is work that I am completely obsessed with because I think it's so important. And I grew up knowing nothing about sex and being absolutely terrified of sex and and scared to talk about it and embarrassed. And I'm sure the reason that part of why I didn't watch porn until I made that documentary is because I felt shy. I think a lot of women uh, feel like porn isn't really for us or some women that I know watch porn just to see what men are watching, to see what men quote unquote want. And the reason I say quote unquote is because not dissimilarly to children, there is also a part of teenage or young male or old male minds that is watching this and hyper-normalizing it to the point where they think that this is what women want, this is what they think they should want. Some of them really do want that, and that's fine, and that's you know each to their own. But the hyper-normalization of the dehumanization of pornography, especially towards women, and especially the the more marginalized they are, it seems to be the more derogatory the, the sex that's being had is. And, and here's another important aspect, Jamila, which I think you'll appreciate, because Make Love Not Porn is a global platform. Everything I'm building is global. So when I say I want to showcase my friends or brilliant sex educators, I mean friends like Paro Devi um, in India. Okay. Mm-hmm. Paro Devi is an Indian filmmaker. She's amazing. And she started a company called Agents of Ish to create culturally appropriate sex education for India. Um, she makes these videos, which are bloody brilliant. They use Bollywood musical um, spoofing to, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to communicate really important things about sex. Every time she produces a new video, I share the shit out of it all over social. And I said to her, you know, why do your videos only have 60, 70,000 views on YouTube? And she said, because I can't get them seen anywhere in India because of the issues. So imagine, I'm dying to showcase her work on Make Love Not Porn Academy. Um, you will be able to, to go and identify culturally appropriate sex education, you know, and not just in India, but for the entire Indian diaspora. Mm. Or, you know, again, our friends in China, our friends in, you know, and so there's, there's also a whole dimension of this, which is this is needed so badly globally. And in every country in the world, I know there are people working to try and educate and they are shut down even more than we are in the US or the UK 
And I want I want to change that. Absolutely. And just to return to the point I was making about men is that amongst my male friends, I find that so many of them come back and tell me that I only live with some of my male friends, not all of them, but they come to me and they say that I had the sex with this girl and it looked amazing. Like she was doing all these amazing things from pornography. Clearly she'd watched a lot of pornography and obviously I have. And it was hot, but I didn't feel anything. It Ooh. felt disconnected. It felt like a performance rather than making love. And it is the older they're getting and the more in touch with and tune with themselves they're getting, the more that is starting to kind of perturb is a strong word, but it's definitely jarring for, for increasingly amount of men. And, and then women and men aren't really having these conversations. And so there's just this intolerable amount of guesswork that goes into the most intimate and important to be transparent about act that maybe humans can interact with each other in. No, absolutely. And so there are two ways in which we solve that and make love not porn. Because the first is we celebrate, as I mentioned earlier, we celebrate real world emotion, love, intimacy, feelings. And the reason that's crucial is because, again, all around some popular culture, movies, TV, streaming, we see many creative expressions and narratives of relationships, mm. but we never see the actual sex. On Make Love Not Porn, you see the actual sex, but you also see the relationships. Because in our videos, those two things are indivisible. And when I say that, by the way, I don't just mean that in our partnered couple, threesome, et cetera, videos, you see what it's like to have amazing love, you know, healthy relationship dynamics between people. In our many solo videos, you see what it's like to have a healthy relationship with yourself, with your mm. own body, your own genitals, your own sexuality. And then the other thing we do, and this is ultimately why I created Make Love Not Porn. As I said earlier, I realized the issue isn't porn, the issue is we don't talk about sex in the real world. And so everything we do has one mission in mind, which is to help make it easier for every single person in the world to talk openly and honestly about sex. Because we don't. Because we don't talk about sex generally, it's an area of rampant insecurity for every single one of us. Mm. We all get vulnerable when we get naked. Sexual ego is very fragile. And to your point, People find it, therefore, bizarrely impossible to talk about sex to the people they're actually having it with while they're actually having it. Because in that situation, you're terrified that if you say anything at all about what is going on, if you comment on the action anyway at all, you will potentially hurt the other person's feelings, put them off you, mm -hmm. derail the encounter, potentially derail the entire relationship. But at the same time, you want to please your partner. You want to make them happy. Everybody wants to be good in bed. Nobody knows exactly what that means. Mm -hmm. And so you will seize your cues from anywhere you can. And if the only cues you've ever seen are in porn, those are the ones you'll take. And so I've, I mean, I obviously um, am my own research lab. You know, as I said, I, I encounter what I'm addressing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I um, met a few years ago an extremely attractive, lovely young gentleman um, who was 19 at the time. And we, we carried on seeing each other for the next couple of years. And th this is a very good looking young man who had a ton of partners. It became apparent in bed that he had never ever talked. I mean, none of them had ever talked to each other about mm -hmm. anything. It had been worthless. Because I, you know, you know, issued instructions about how to make me come while he was inside me and 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 did very satisfactorily. But then afterwards he went, wow, oh my God, I'm you know, no one's ever said anything to me about what I'm doing. And, and, and I said, actually, you know, you've made me realize I need to communicate more 
and I'm going to do that going forwards. And so literally, at the most basic level, we exist to make it easier to talk to each other in bed because people don't. No, I mean, we've I've spoken a fair bit with sex educators and sex therapists on this podcast about BDSM, for example, and it's kind of considered the outskirts of the sexual community. And yet it's one of the only sexual communities that has consent and communication as a foundation. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm in Berlin where there's a lot of that here and Ooh. people explaining to me how it works and, and sending each other their menus of what they like in bed or kind Ooh. of meeting up on websites and being like, we're into the same stuff, let's meet up. Ooh. Which we ne- we never do. We never do yeah, in the no. mainstream. And it leads to so many needless, um, um, awkward or scary or like traumatizing yeah. or just like shit nights. That's what you see at Make Love Not Porn because our kink videos show you the pre-negotiation. This is the real world. And so you see the real world application of negotiating boundaries and consent. And then you see the real world aftercare. You know, you see what it's like to come down from a scene and take care of each other. And also, again, because this is the real world and you won't see this anywhere else, um, we have, for example, many role play videos. Okay, right. you know, people just, but only on Make Love Not Porn, when you see a role play video where halfway through, one person goes to the other, you know what? This isn't really doing it for me. The person goes, no, nah, it's all a bit meh. And they go, let's just fuck. And you know, it shows it's very low stakes. You can start doing something. You can find out you don't like it. It's fine to drop it. You don't have to stick it out till the end. You know, and that's real world sex. That's the funny, awkward, loving, wonderful, hilarious time we all have in the real world. A hundred percent. And I think that that's so important. I also just would love to see more pornography with women my age, older than me, older than that, older and older, because the the pubescent teen obsession of of mainstream pornography is is very paedophilic and i've always been disturbed by lolita as in like the 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 paedophile romanticized novel being the kind of the set standard for what is sexually enticing it's not realistic and my friends have, again my a lot of my male friends have been really fucked over by this because their brain has been sort of like almost neurologically warped by pornography because they've seen so much at such developmental ages. And so they find themselves attracted to these very young-looking women or young bodies, you know, very taut, etc. But then they don't actually have very much in common uh, with people younger than them. And they actually find stuff in common with women their own age more often or older than them per se. But And so they end up often not getting to the sex because the date is just a bit you know, they're not, they don't have anything in common. There's no real connection. It feels a bit weird to be with someone uh, for them who is is who looks a certain way, but maybe doesn't have as many like things in common. Um, and again, age gap dating is fine. I'm just saying that it's just funny how they kind of feel like slightly imprisoned. A lot of them have stopped watching pornography. They've gone off social media. They've decided to kind of detox their brain in order to be able to get back to what actually instinctively feels right to me. Maybe it's an older woman. Maybe it's someone my own age. Here, here are the four micro-actions every single woman can take to transform the porn industry mm-hmm. and make it more feminist. Okay, And um, and uh, I say that because genuinely, I'm a big believer in micro-actions, simple, easy-to-do actions where every one of us doing them on a daily basis to change what we want to see changed cumulatively adds up at scale to enormous impact. Right. So everyone, everyone listening, here are the four micro-actions. Number one, women talk publicly about the fact that you enjoy watching porn because we don't 
because there's a total double standard where men can go, whore, porn, you know, and whereas nice girls don't do that. Right. The reason the reason it's really important that But is that but, uh, but are they not doing it because we go on fucking Pornhub and then we just get well, assaulted with horrifying well, 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 images? Uh, 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 no, because we want to watch porn and, and okay. they may not like the porn that, but, but but the reason it's really important to talk publicly about the fact that women love watching porn is because when enough women do that the porn industry goes fuck me there's a huge market opportunity there. Okay. People, people, people will will deliver against the market opportunity when they see that market opportunity in front of their eyes. And as long as women are too embarrassed to say that we enjoy watching porn, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. So that's my correction number one. My correction number two is recommend the shit out of the porn you enjoy to your girlfriends. Right. And I, and I say that because so make love of porn is not porn with social sex, but nevertheless we end up in a lot of those lists that women's media brands create of porn women will enjoy. You know, so, so Glamour, for example, a couple of years ago, produced a list of 15 porn sites women will absolutely love and, and we're number one. And I mention that because every time we're on one of those lists, it sends a ton of traffic to us because women are desperate recommendations. Right. Because, because porn exists in the shadows, we don't have the tools that we use in other parts of our lives. There is no Yelp of porn. There's, there's no social acceptable curation and navigation. So my fraction number two, women recommend the porn you love to your girlfriends because that's how I have many brilliant female queer pornographer friends, Jamila, who are making exactly the porn you want to see. Older women, you know, real world bodies because of mind geek stranglehold on the industry, they can't get the traffic and the revenue and the numbers they deserve. And so every one of us, when we discover porn we love, recommending it on helps them. My correction number three, and this is for straight women, sit your male partner down and show him the porn that you really enjoy. Mm. And the reason I say that is because I hate the terms feminist porn and porn for, for women. And, and female-friendly porn, like yeah, it kind yeah. of creates and, this... By the way, you know, I, I do have friends who call themselves feminist pornographers, say they make porn for women. Yeah. But the reason I hate those terms is because the moment men hear that, they go, not for me. Yeah, those terms marginalise that porn. Agreed. Men have no idea how hot, arousing, creative, and innovative they would find porn made by women for women. So sit your male partner down, make him watch it. He'll be pleasantly surprised. My fourth and final micro action for women is actually make, and I don't, I don't mean do it yourself. Um, I don't mean being yourself, but, but. Um, because, um, make the porn you want to see in the world. Over the years, so many women have come up to me in corporate environments and said, do you know, Cindy, I really wanted to make porn. But, you know, um, I live in a country where the laws make it impossible. Um, one woman in Ireland said that to me, by the way, it is very difficult legally there. Or, you know, they came against all the problems that I did and, and they couldn't. And the reason I say that is because we have not even begun to see the future of porn through the female lens. Right. And so my message to women is, you know, whatever fantasy you have that you would love to see porn of, and by the way, while rule 34 of the internet goes, if it exists, there is porn of it, that is not truth of the female lens. Whatever your fantasy is, however specific, bizarre, odd, crazy, I guarantee you there are millions, maybe billions of other women who would also be turned on by that and right. And so, the t- you know, it's easier now than ever before to make films and put them out there in the same way that many indie filmmakers are. Um, put the porn you want to see out into the world 
And and you have the opportunity to make an absolute goddamn fucking shit ton of money out of doing that, especially because women like me are breaking down the infrastructure barriers and determine. I mean, th- th- there are many female founded porn platforms coming up at the moment because we want to change all of this. Okay. And so maybe don't put your face in it if that's something that you don't want on the internet forever or blur your face out. What, that is something. Well, I'm talking about becoming a porn director, by the way, not. Um, right, not right, 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 right. Didn't but, understand. Uh, but, didn't but, understand. Was about yeah. to upload all kinds of videos onto but, the internet. Yeah. God, thank but, God you clarified. <laughs> no, no, but I will just say, Jamila, also that if Make Love Not Porn achieves its ultimate social mission, um, one of these side benefits is that nobody should ever have to feel ashamed or embarrassed mm-hmm. ever again about having a naked photograph or a sex tape on the internet because it's simply just a natural human part of what we all are. Yes, I agree. I fully agree. It's just that because we're not yet in a society that doesn't punish women specifically uh, more so than men, I agree. I'm very down for the hyper-normalization revolution. Um, And I'm very, very, very excited about what you're doing. And I... uh, When I really mean it, I say this on the podcast so that it's there... Uh, forever but however I can be of service to you to support your work and your efforts please let me know because this is the kind of thing that I feel helps so many people around the world sex is so lovely if that's your thing you might be asexual or aromantic or any of these different things but if sex is something that you enjoy or would like to enjoy you deserve that and there is a more integral and beautiful and fun and filthy fucking side of sex that you maybe think you're not allowed to have because of the way that you look or because it doesn't exist or because you think men won't be into it or women won't be into it there are fucking almost 8 billion people on this planet the chances are there are people out there who are into the same things as you. And a lot of the people who aren't don't even know what they're into because we're a culture so dominated by what we're told to like. We're so dominated by fucking tastemakers. And my last point about what I saw on the kind of main porno- pornography sites in the last couple of days is that as with anything, right, as with any form of advertising or movie making, the way to gain virality in an online world with so much endless competition is to make things that are more and more shocking. They have no, they are no longer focusing on what is sexier or what will actually be popular for being sexy or what will get people off or make people come. They are they are now just making the most shocking possible video so that people, even if they're not aroused, will talk about it, will share it to their friends, being like, Jesus fucking Christ, have you seen this? Have you seen what they did to that woman or this this girl or this, you know, 13-year-old stepdaughter in this video? They are just going for the shock factor now above all uh, sensuality or even really sexuality. It feels more like the kind of, it feels a bit like the horror genre. Do you know what I mean? Like the horror genre is just moving beyond the realms of what like even the worst psychopath could conjure up sorry that's the porn police coming to get me if you can hear them (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for speaking ill of porn but um but but i i love that you're bringing reality back to sex you are grounding sex while still keeping it like fun or kinky or all of the different things that sex can be for whom you know for whatever someone's taste is i feel very very sad and scared for anyone any age especially men 
But really, also the women who are watching the same shit who think that this is where sex is elevated to. It's nothing to do with sex. It's just like the fucking horror genre. It is just about clicks. It's just about shocks. It's just about being memorable and getting people talking. Now, for that to be what's on the homepage of these sites makes me extremely sad and extremely concerned because as we talk about tastemakers, that guides people into thinking, well, this is what's popular. This is on the homepage. This is what people want from me. And regardless of your gender, whether you are the doer or the taker, you might be complicit or part of something that you don't even really like fundamentally actually want to do. You just think you should based on a fucking marketing strategy. So I just want everyone to keep that in mind. Like, Cindy, you have no idea how down for your cause I am. Maybe you do now. But I'm thrilled to hear that. And and I will tell you what I would love you to help me with. Um, and, and, And by the way, you know, to what you've just said, this is why I say to people, make love, not porn operates in the single biggest market of them all, not sex, not porn, the market of human happiness. And so um, I will say to you, because I need help with this generally. And so any listeners um, who might you know, be able to help too, um, I need help finding investors and funding. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you why I need help, because I know that my investors are absolutely out there. There are tons of them. They're impossible to find by the usual means because they all have one thing in common. Your willingness to fund Make Love Not Porn is entirely a function of your personal sexual journey. It is a function of your personal lens on sex and sexuality, Mm -hmm. driven by your own experience. And I have no way to research and target for that, especially because sex is the one area where you cannot tell from the outside what anybody thinks on the inside. Mm-hmm. The people who look like they would, whoa, totally get it, don't. The people who look like total prudes do. And so that's why I put what I'm doing out there all the time, you know, and why, you know, I really appreciate doing interviews like this because I have to rely on making synaptic connections or draw those people to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm all over this. I'm not joking. I'm all over this. And I'm someone who's been a prude way more of my life than I haven't. And I'm really just like only finding my feet sexually in the last like seven or eight years um, and learning to not feel embarrassed about being sexual uh, because I come from a Pakistani and Indian family. So that's just not, you know, sex is for children. Sex isn't for pleasure, especially not women's pleasure. Um, And so I'm unpacking all of this shit and I couldn't feel more grateful to come across your work it feels like we're all on the same page and we have the same feeling of this coming not from a place of judgment, a a place of love of information, a place of love of honesty, autonomy, consent, joy, pleasure for all. Absolutely. And this is a conversation that absolutely does not just impact one gender, one age, one size. I, uh, was curious because I um I hadn't yet investigated deep enough. Do you also include disability on your website? Oh, oh my God, yes, absolutely. So Excellent. we've been working for years to build up our make disabled love not porn category. Great. We have a we're working with a number of disability activists. It's obviously more difficult because if you are um, a person with disabilities, then mm-hmm. it's trickier to find you know to, um, the ways to kind of be able to video yourself you need assistance etc cetera, etc cetera. but we um we have reached out to um, we, we have a number of um activists working with us to build up this category um, and by the way jamina the reason for that is not only because we want to celebrate the fact that disabled people are sexual beings yes. but also because 
And non-disabled people really benefit mm-hmm. from watching the sensitivity and the empathy and the care that goes into make disabled love not porn. So right. yeah, and and also I will just make you aware of something else because porn. Sorry, make love not porn. Um, I'm constantly blown away by how well Make Love Not Porn does, does what I designed it to do, but also how well it does things I never designed to do. Right. So on the, on the designed to do front, I mean, we hear all the time from couples who say, you saved our marriage, you saved our relationship, had that sex in years, what, you know. But on the didn't design it to do this, we hear from survivors of rape, sexual abuse, sexual assault. We hear from female and male survivors mm-hmm. who tell us that Make Love Not Porn helped them reclaim their body. It helped them feel able to be sexual again and be and be able to have a sexual life again in a scenario where porn is obviously way too triggering. And that is true not only of our members who watch our videos, but we have a number of our contributors, our Make Love Not Porn stars, who came to us from backgrounds of sexual abuse and trauma mm. and be able to share themselves sexually in a completely safe and trustworthy space um, is helping them heal. And honestly, I had no idea when I concepted this that, that, that this was also a use case for it. And I'm blown away by that. I love that. And it feels like you really have just covered all bases. And I also feel as though this whole conversation has spoken so much, I hope, to my followers the way it has to me. If I feel like energized and galvanized and excited get on that website tonight as I'm sure many of us will Um, (laughs) and to tell all of my not just my female friends but my male friends and my non-binary friends I want to tell everyone like you know to to make sure that they get on this like I've been familiar with your work especially as an activist but I think again my like the trauma of that documentary is why I haven't been on any pornography websites until the last couple of days and so you know, maybe maybe today is my is my journey back to real pornography. Um, and, uh, no, no, no. And, and again, Jamila, we're not porn. Remember, we are pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. We are social sex. You are social yeah. sex, right. Yeah. That is the yeah. terminology yeah. I will yeah. use. Yeah. All, to my journey yeah, to social sex. Yeah. Because all I'm doing is I'm applying the dynamics of social media to the one area no other social network platform will allow in order to socialize sex. To right. normalize it, bring it out of the sunlight. And in fact, this is why at Make Love Porn, we call ourselves the social sex revolution. The revolutionary part is not the sex, it's the social. It's this bringing it out of the sunlight, taking the shame, guilt, and embarrassment out of it. You know, we are a shame changer. I love that. I love that. Well, that is the exact name of the Iway game. And so I am thrilled thrilled to have this chat with you everyone go and look at make love not porn follow cindy gallup's work and and please walk into the world of social sex with no shame and just a desire for your own right to pleasure thank you for coming you've been a fucking legend I'm freaking out. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I can tell you, this is one of the most enjoyable interviews I've ever done. I so appreciate everything you've said, and I'm just thrilled to have had this opportunity. So thank you so much. Thank you. We'll speak soon. Thank 
thank you so much for listening to this week's episode I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself Jamila Jamil Erin Finnegan Kimmy Gregory and Amelia Chapelo. and the beautiful music that you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend James Blake and if you haven't already please rate, review and subscribe to the show it's such a great way to show your support and helps me out massively and lastly at I Weigh we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast please email us a voice recording sharing what you weigh at iweighpodcast at gmail.com hop hop hooray nordstrom rack's got sweet deals on everything easter which is sunday march 31st get to nordstrom rack now and save on kate spade new york two-faced steve madden calvin klein and more from just 30 dollars score great brands and great prices on easter looks for everyone plus spring decor gifts and all kinds of deliciousness Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.